but I'm living day by day looking for the Lord's return. And I believe God will reward me for that. It was an instruction that he gave to us. And I think if we obey that, we have right here very clearly, there will be a reward. Welcome back to Bible Line. I'm your host, Pastor Jesse Martinez. Today we're getting back into user-submitted questions. This one comes from Shelby, and she asks, What are all the crowns, and what can we do in this life to receive each crown? Great question. I think uh, the Bible's pretty clear on what those crowns are. There are five altogether, and not all of them are physical. There's one of them that I think are actually people. So we'll get into that. Um, and I think that this is good to understand what the scripture says about it because I've had people ask me before, like, what's the value of serving the Lord? Like, you know, if we already have eternal life and the Bible tells us to be content in Hebrews 13, 5, because we have Jesus Christ, well, what's the point of, you know, like living a good life and serving people and, you know, to, to earn rewards and stuff like that? And I think the reason why it's important is because God has placed a large emphasis on rewards. I've also heard people say, well, that's an impure set of motivations. Well, that that's how God is, is choosing to reward us. It's actually the perfect system. I mean, you think about it. When you clock in at your job and you do a, a good job, you go above and beyond. The employer shows gratitude in the form of a bonus or more hours or whatever it may be. I think God is asking us to serve him after we've put our faith in Christ, and there's a motivation for that service. Obviously, the goodness of the fact that we have eternal life, but also that we're going to be rewarded for our work accurately. I mean, there are people that get passed up for promotions here on earth. That was an oversight of the employee or the, or, excuse me, of the employer, and that was just not fair. But God's not going to do that. He's going to give you exactly what you earn, and we know that from the principle of the judgment seat of Christ where he's going to give to us of all the things, you know, we've done. The profitable earns a reward and the unprofitable earns a reward. They're tested by fire. Whatever lasts, you'll receive as a reward. So getting into that, there are five crowns that we can see in scriptures and crowns being rewards. And there's one of them that represent people. And we'll look at that one as well. So the first one here is called the imperishable crown. And this is for leading a disciplined life. If you take your Bibles or open them up or uh, make a note of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 25, we see the description of this crown. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So Paul is in the middle, actually, here he's starting in verse 24, and he's in the middle of describing the Christian life in comparison to the marathon runner. Now, I think we all can all understand the parallels here. Just like a runner disciplines their body so that they are able to become the best athlete they can in order to win the prize in the competition that they're in, the same thing should be for the Christian. We should be temperate or disciplined in all areas of our life so that we can finish well. Let's look at the context. In verse 24, it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Then we get to verse 25 where the crown is, is, is mentioned that we can earn. And then we have 26. I therefore so run. What's, what's the motivation for running? Paul says, because I'm getting an incorruptible crown. If the athlete can be disciplined for a temporary crown, which in his day was just a, you know, a head covering, a little, uh, you know, band, so to speak of leaves that, that doesn't last long. And all the trophies athletes can earn today. I mean, now they get huge rings and all sorts of stuff. 
the Hall of Fame. They're enshrined. They even have like a bust made of them. That's all going to go away. That's all corruptible. Paul says, I'm getting the incorruptible crown, so I'm going to run. And that's what he says in verse 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, one who's not prepared, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I tend to think this this is you know a picture of the person who just practices. They're like the shadow boxer. They never really spar or actually get into a real boxing match. They just, you know, they're always going to win if they're punching nothing. And so Paul's saying, I, I don't want to just be one that has the knowledge without the application of it in real life. When he says in verse 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. I do not think there's any support here to say that he's a castaway outside of the family of God, but at the judgment seat of Christ, that his rewards that he could have earned will be burned up as what they really were, unprofitable. So that's a crown that the believer can win. That's the imperishable crown. The second crown is the one that I think is not physical. It's actually a representation in the form of an individual. And this is for evangelism and discipleship. This is described by Paul in 1 Thessalonians as a crown of rejoicing. And that's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse 19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse 19 talks about this crown and the the paragraph title, so to speak, is, you know, Paul's longing to see those that were in Thessalonica again. Uh, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. And you can see here, you know, starting all the way up uh, in verse 9, and even for, for context, read all of 1 Thessalonians 2 to see how well-received Paul and his disciples were. It was so encouraging to them that they heard the word of the Lord and they didn't obey it as you know instructions from men, but they had believed it as instructions from God. And they got saved and they wanted to follow and serve the Lord and they lived in that truth. And that was so encouraging to Paul and he missed them. And as a matter of fact, there's, there's a statement here that is said in verse 17, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. And there's, of course, the devil trying to stop any encouragement of those who have put their faith in Christ so as to help them, you know, drown in discouragement and, you know, just never share the gospel, never be a testimony of the believer. But this crown that is described here is the individuals that you lead to Christ. And this is what I tell people all the time. Like, it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity we have to be a soul winner. Yet it is the least common thing that Christians do. Everybody wants to be an encourager. Everybody wants to make their fellow brother or sister in Christ feel good. But what about the one who's outside the church? What about the one who's right across the street? I mean, I, you know, I, I, I lead a ministry here in Tampa. There are people right across the street that have never heard the gospel yet from this ministry. We've knocked on doors. We've given tracts. They haven't come to church yet. Yet here I am on the internet trying to reach all these people. If I stopped trying to reach the people across the street and focused on the ones in the whole world, what good am I to that person over there? Am I just hoping that the YouTube algorithm gets them to watch a video? There is wonderful rejoicing in leading a soul to Christ and then getting them under good teaching so that they can continue to grow. We just saw that recently. Our new Awana directors here at church, they got saved years ago in the Youth Ranch program. And they've 
been faithful and they have obeyed the word of the Lord. And now they're an opportunity to start teaching other kids. What a wonderful cycle it is. You can see how in, I believe it's second John or maybe third John, he says, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. And so that's encouraging. And God will give that to you as a reward. He's not going to give you those people to have like rule over them, but they will be a testament of the work that you did. So that is the crown of rejoicing. Hey, don't forget, if you're new here, maybe you've been here for a while, make sure that you like, comment, and share the video and hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. When you hit that little notification bell, there's an option there. It says some, all, or, or mute. Make sure you put on that you want to get notified for everything because we post community posts. We're going live now. All of the church services that I do as well as Dr. Gilbert um, or anyone who's like a guest speaker, those go out on YouTube too. When you hit that little bell and you select all, you get all the notifications. And then make sure too, if you have a question, send it to us. Questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. We want to answer those questions. The best that we can do is get you a written response and We'll even try to make a video about it, just like the question we did today. So make sure to hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit the notification bell set to all notifications. Let's get back to the answer. Okay, so we've covered, you know, two crowns. We've got three left and we've covered the one that I think is not a physical crown, but it's actually people that we lead to the Lord and disciple. So the third crown is called a crown of righteousness. And this is for those who love the Lord's appearing. And I think loving the Lord's appearing is looking for him to return. We find this crown in 2 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 8. And this is a part of the parting words that Paul has for Timothy. It's a very personal letter. I believe it's the last one that he wrote before um, he was martyred in Rome. But he says in verse 8, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And he defines what that is, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day and not to me only. So this is a this is a reward that anybody can earn. So we should be able to see how do we earn it? But unto all of them also that love his appearing. And I believe this is those who are looking for the Lord to return. Whether it's in this dispensation that we're in right now where we're looking for the rapture or it's in the tribulation period when they're looking for the Lord to come back a second time. We should be looking for the Lord's return every day. I have a personal desire to live till I'm as old as I can be, you know, and because I want to do as much as I can. But if the Lord came back today, I wouldn't be upset about it. I woke up today hoping that he would come back. Now I'm planning that he's, you know, I, I'm planning as if I have a whole life to live, but I'm living day by day looking for the Lord's return. And I believe God will reward me for that. It was an instruction that he gave to us. And I think if we obey that, we have right here very clearly, there will be a reward. For full context of that, Start there in verse 1, go all the way to verse 8. All right, second to last one, a crown of life for enduring trials. And if you take your Bible and you look in James chapter 1 and verse 2, you see very, excuse me, verse 12, James 1 and verse 12, you see very, very clearly here the importance of enduring temptation. Now, this is not temptation to sin. This is the testing of our faith, the trial of our faith. There's a purpose for it, and we'll see that in a moment. But James says here, blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. There's some interesting things that I want you to see here. Number one, blessed is the man that endureth, not experiences, because there are believers who can experience testing and fail. Now, you're not going to be rewarded for that, but those who endure 
they get through the testing in the same attitude that Jesus went through the, you know, his testing. Man should not live off of bread alone, but out of every uh, word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So as believers trust the Lord through the testing period, they're going to get a crown of life. And that enduring is a sign of loving the Lord. It's, if, if you remember that God is your father, right, and he is disciplining you and sometimes he has to chasten you, but he's disciplining you to get you to understand a principle so you can come out better and your faith is refined, that's going to help you a lot when you go through difficult times. That, is, that doesn't mean God brings sin into your life or causes you to sin, but there are things that he allows to come upon us to refine us. And did you know there's a value to that refining? First Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, still talking about that crown of life. It says here that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What is this saying? The trial that you're going through is more precious than actual gold. Folks, gold runs the world right now. <laughs> I mean, you got money, you have access. There's my computer I had to buy with gold. You know, I had to buy all, all this stuff is not freely given to us. People give of their money. Peter is saying here, the thing that the world puts the highest value on, the trial of your faith is more valuable than that. That's a very interesting concept to explore it and fully set in. What I'm doing here is not for filthy lucre. I know God is going to reward me in things that outpace any kind of financial reward I could ever receive here. These things will help you and encourage you. So the last crown that we'll look at here is a crown of glory. And this is for those who shepherd over God's flock. As a pastor, this is something personal to me. There's an expectation when I accepted the, the, the ordination of men around me who ordained me into this ministry. I had to understand that this was, this was something that I was expected to do. And if I keep this and do it well, God will reward me as a result of it. The crown of glory is for those who are in Christian service. And specifically, it's 1 Peter chapter 5. We see it in verse 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now, that gives you the summary. How do we get that reward? You start there in verse 1. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Here's how you earn the reward. Feed the flock of God. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, nor for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but in samples to the flock. This is important to see. If you are a, a, a pastor, a deacon, an elder, whatever the title is in your church that matches up with these biblical descriptions, are you doing that job for those things, for money, to be a legalist? That's what I believe it means there, being lords over God's heritage. Are you an example in, uh, of the believer in the way that you talk, and the way that you act, the way that you present yourself? Are you of a ready mind? You discipline yourself in those areas and God's re God will reward you, as it says in verse 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, I believe that's Christ, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. All these crowns are earned at the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting there in verse 12, going through, or verse 11, starting into verse 15. I think all that is important to see. 
This is why God asks us to serve him. He will be faithful to reward us. Of course, we should be motivated by love, but isn't it good to know that God's going to give you what you deserve? We already have not been given that. We should be in hell, but he's given us grace through his son, eternal life as a result of our faith in Jesus Christ. And now he gives us this wonderful opportunity to serve him and he'll reward us for it. And not only do you have to wait till you get to heaven to experience those rewards, you can have that joy now. These things write unto you that your joy may be full. That's 1 John 1, 4. So we can see just by knowing we're going to heaven and being able to serve God, what a wonderful, wonderful opportunity that is. I pray that answers your question. If you have a Bible question, send it to us. Questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. All right. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus Christ is coming soon. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bible Line, make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Do you have a Bible question? Send us an email, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org, and we'll do our best to get you an answer. Or you can leave your question in the comments of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description for more clear Bible teaching. Bible Line is a ministry of Calvary Community Church located in Tampa, Florida.